you and your degenerate friends already waste enough time thinking about disc golf. But just in case, here's some extra material on the Fish Golf Broadcast. On this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast, I sat down with James Conrad. James, what you thinking about? I'm kind of trying to figure out if, if I even know how to say Fish Golf Broadcast. Is I think right? you nailed it. Okay. Yeah. How'd that come about? Uh, one of my sponsors is Disc Golf Bra, and I spent 14 seconds coming up with a play on that, and here we are. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Got uh, it. You've now put exactly as much thought into it as I have. Okay, cool. I, it works. No, it, it doesn't. It's kind of hard to say, but <laughs> it works, I think. I, I think you just have to ignore the the weird name and smash it together and just call it a broadcast. I think that's easier. The Fish Golf Broadcast. Are you rebranding my podcast? I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you were telling me that you've started getting into rock climbing quite a bit over the last couple of years. Yeah, I have. Um, Initially, it was kind of like a good way to get a workout in. It was in like the, not this past off season, but the one before. Mm -hmm. I'm not usually too motivated to go like actually lift weights. I don't mind doing. I think your physique reflects that. Hey, what what are you trying to say here? I think you know what I'm saying. I, I'm I strong. Just, yeah, but that's because of rock climbing, not weightlifting. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> um, yeah, I've always liked doing like body weight kind of stuff. I was a runner back in the day, mm-hmm. and um, rock climbing seemed like a good way to actually like work on some strength training without um, it feeling like a chore. You know, make it make kind of a game out of it. Yeah, make tri- something tricks fun. you into working out. Totally. Uh, so where did where did you start, and who got you into it? Um, we were, we were staying down in Austin for a little while and, uh, Nate Perkins and I both kind of, there's a gym called Crux down there and it shared a parking lot with this place. We went a lot. It was called, um, I think called Cosmic Coffee. It's like a coffee shop and then they have a bunch of food trucks. There's Mm -hmm. like a taco truck called Pueblo Viejo that we were eating at all the time. And we kept going there and being like, man, we should probably go over there too and, and get a little workout in. And then, uh, one day we did. So we got tacos and went rock climbing, and we in that order, got, like got the wall all greasy with your fingers. Mm, I can't recall the order, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we we went went a few times, like in that first week, and I think we both got pretty dang hooked. And um, it was kicking our butt at first, but we were like, man, I feel like this has got to be good for the disc golf game. Like just like the forearm pump and the hand strength grip, the sure. grip strength and all that seemed like a pretty natural crossover. And like I was saying, it's a ton of fun to do. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, are, so are you doing mostly bouldering in the gym or are you top roping, etc.? I've mostly done bouldering in the gym. Um, I've definitely started to get more interested in, in some sport climbing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Like we've in the last, last year and a half, I feel like probably four times now, maybe five, we've actually gotten to go out on some mountains and, and do a little bit of outdoor climbing. And as much as I enjoy the gym, like getting out on some real rocks is so much more fun. Like where it's not a setter contriving something, it's, it's just there. Totally. Yeah. So when you do that, are you doing your own research, you know, looking on the internet or guidebooks or something, or are you finding a local who knows what they're doing? Um, we've, we've, I think the, the first time was last last year in Vegas and mm-hmm. um, kind of a friend of a friend 
who, who lived down in the area took a group of us out to Red Rocks outside of Vegas and um, kind of set us all up with the with the gear and everything and so that was a great great like first um, dip into it and felt yeah it didn't feel like it was all on us to like figure out where we were going and, and what we were doing and everything so that I feel like made it super easy and, and way more accessible for us but a couple of the other trips we've kind of planned like um, Missy and Tom are, are pretty into rock climbing as well so between them and and then me and Jordan we've kind of picked some spots that made sense with Tor and mm-hmm. um, we each have our own rope and some some gear and, and everything like that so we've been able to do a couple trips more on our own yeah for sure that's great uh, is there a particular style of climbing or or uh, rock type that you like best so far the I think the sandstone like the red rocks have been some of my favorite they're like not too sharp like it doesn't like kind of cut up your skin too bad and, yeah. and they have really good grip so it feels kind of kind of easier and a little bit more accessible but um yeah it's super cool just to see like the variety like we we just went last monday right after portland it was not honestly far from the courses at all just like on the east side of town there mm-hmm. was a, a cool little crag right by the sandy river and i can't recall the type of rock but it was it was definitely like way more challenging to climb on like it was hard to get a good grip on it and a lot of the edges seemed kind of rounded, not like a lot of hard edges or mm. anything, but it was cool. Neat. Uh, so is this something that you're going to continue pursuing during the off season? Like y'all are f- a fully mobile lifestyle, so you can kind of park wherever. You could be a climbing bum for the winter if you felt like it. It's definitely crossed my mind. We haven't quite figured out what this winter might look like, but mm-hmm. um, definitely hope to include a bit of climbing. I know you sometimes hit, hit up a rock climbing gym or two as well. Do you? ever get out on on any sport climbing or anything uh, like that no i i haven't gone outdoors hardly at all um mostly because i don't really know where to go mm-hmm. um and that's my fault and i should be you know there are plenty of ways to find that out mm-hmm. um for me going to a climbing gym is a way to trick myself into working out aka like i'm going to go lift weights while i'm there okay um well, there's a gym five minutes from my house walking in Baltimore. Um, nice. and they have several locations, uh, in other cities. So like I, you know, I went to the one in Portland. I went to the one in Chicago. I went to a couple in Dallas. Cool. Um, like that's, and then I'll go to gyms outside that network as well. Awesome. Yeah. Well, next time we plan a trip, I'll make sure to reach out. See if you're, you're free that oh, day. Please do. I have my shoes are in the car all the cool. time. <laughs> um, Another hobby that I'm given to understand that you're into is video games. And part of that is, I guess, having the extra space in your, your new bus setup. Yeah. I don't talk about like playing video games too often, but it's been something ever since I was a kid that I definitely enjoyed. Um, definitely goes through, like, has gone through some phases. Obviously, being on tour, it's not like um, always too much downtime to really sit down and, and play some games, but... In the bus setup, we kind of got like a little living room where, where we're sitting right now. It's a, it's a good cozy nook. Thanks. Um, yeah, we, we didn't want like a TV to be like forefront in like the, um, I guess the design of the, the living living space. But I was able to figure out a pretty good setup with like using some heavy duty magnets and a pull down projector screen that we can kind of pull down a projector screen and, and mount a magnet onto the ceiling mm-hmm. opposite it or mount a projector onto the magnet opposite it. And then, yeah, set up some games. So I've been getting a little bit into the, the new Zelda game lately, the Tears of the Kingdom. That's a super popular one, but 
Um, we also have an Xbox in here, and my favorite game lately has been called Hunt Showdown. It's like a PvPVE shooter game. So like 12 people drop into like the edge of a map, uh-huh. and there's like one or two bosses spawn on the map that are like not controlled by other players, but that are by the game. And all the 12 people on the map are kind of fighting over like the boss bounty. So you're trying to get in and kill the boss and get out, but so is everyone else. So you end up fighting the other people along the way. Yeah. Is it collaborative? Like, are you working as a team with any of those people or you're trying to win for yourself alone? You can play a lot like disc golf, right? You can play teams up to three. And I have a couple friends uh, back in Virginia that if they're online, sometimes we'll, we'll team up, Mm -hmm. but you can also play solo. And I like, I like both sides of it. There's like a lot of like stealth aspects of the game. So you can kind of try to sneak your way around and ambush someone, or you can just kind of go in with a shotgun and try to like um, yeah, get up close. No and, subtle tactics. Right. Yeah. So it, it's a, for me, it's a really fun way to like, uh, kind of relax, but also like kind of, it's like super engaging to my, my brain and you got to like kind of be in the zone and like get focused in. And I feel like getting in that like game mode can sometimes it must be good. Like the night before a tournament, get in a few games and interesting. So like it becomes a focus exercise for you. It, it can. Yeah. I, I think it definitely depends on the game, but the, Jordan is like nodding vigorously in the background. So uh, clearly the focus exercises are yeah. are part of it. Yeah, I think so. Uh any any other games that uh our our nerd listeners would know about? Everybody who listens to this podcast is a total nerd. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say the other biggest other game I got the most into not too long ago was Elden Ring. It's like a massive uh rpg it's like a souls born game so mm-hmm. it's like kind of notorious for like being a really high difficulty and um pretty yeah just a challenging game um yeah it's those i've played some of the dark souls games in the past and they're they're cool they're it's like a pretty dark fantasy kind of world and you can kind of build your guy into be, be a mage or like a fighter or a tanky fighter sure anything like that and um, yeah, I feel like I've always liked a little bit more challenging games. Like even if you die 10 or 20 times on a boss, it makes it feel that much more satisfying to when you finally beat them. Mm-hmm. So it, it, the, th- it seems like there's a little bit of a theme among the games you've spoken about, uh, is that you're, they're kind of like mission driven. You're advancing, you're learning. Uh, is that a, conscious thing or like what what draws you to that style of game and am i representing it accurately uh i think you're right about that i wouldn't say it's necessarily a super conscious decision i I think part of it comes down into like those are just the most engaging type of games for me Mm -hmm. um yeah i feel like i can get into into some other things but um some racing games or something like that but Usually one with like a little bit more of like a story and a cooler like world that they build for for the game. I feel like sucked me in a little bit more. Um, yeah, some of it. Some, I really enjoy reading like a fantasy novel as well. So I feel like sometimes these like fantasy type games kind of um, you kind of get like the world, the world and like the different. Um, yeah, the some of the aspects from a fantasy novel, but then you also get to like participate a little bit right. more. Right, it's more immersive. Mm-hmm. Uh, what kind of novels are are you reading? Any 
any particular authors or series? Um, lately I've been, I've been reading a, it's a pretty funny series. It's actually, it's called Dungeon Crawler Carl, and it's almost like a video game novel. Okay. There's a series of five of them, and my buddy Rob recommended the audiobooks to me. Um, and yeah, it's, long story short, it's like this, like basically Earth is kind of invaded by some alien type species that kind of like collapses the whole world Mm -hmm. and anyone that's not under like a man-made structure is okay but everyone that was like in their house or car or anything is just dead flattened flattened yep and then like these entrances pop open to a dungeon and so the and it's like under the earth's surface and people can go down into this dungeon and try to like kind of survive it and um, try to advance throughout the dungeon and I guess I guess if someone can get to the bottom of the dungeon, they can like get control of the planet back. That, that's just kind of the the starting premise of it. But okay. the, the way that it's it's done is, is just kind of fun and funny, but then also pretty serious and like kind of dark at times. But it's, so where is Carl right now? In Carl, in your experience, I'm I think I think the sixth book is about to drop, but he's on the fifth book and. I think that's like the sixth floor down of the dungeon. It's called the hunting grounds. It's pretty exciting Uh, and funny. Definitely funny. (laughs) Is that what y'all listen to on the road? Um, No, Jordan's not quite as into that one. I'll sometimes listen or or read um, at night before bed. Mm -hmm. We've been, what have we been listening to lately? We got one. Do you remember the author? The 20. Yeah. Noel, Noah. Noah, Harari, something like that. But okay. the book's called the called Twenty One Lessons for the Twenty First Century. Um, he's got another book called Sapiens, which we both really enjoyed, and that was kind of like a brief history of humankind or of Homo sapiens. Okay. And this one is more like a thought. The Twenty One Lessons for the Twenty First Century is more of like a thought exercise on some of the things that we should be careful of in the in the near future, we as in like humanity, um, just with like some of the advances in biotech and AI and things like that. Um, yeah, super interesting stuff. Sure. And what is he looking at this from a sociological perspective or psychological? I, I, I'd say a bit of both. Like I'd say, um, he's looking at it I feel like he's kind of, yeah, just based on like some of the advances we have had in uh, like medical advances and in nanotechnologies, and he's just kind of guessing like some of the issues that could come come to be. Like, I feel like one of the biggest ones he was talking about is that like the majority of human workers could become pretty much obsolete and like not really needed. And he's saying that that's almost worse than being oppressed is being like redundant. And so that's something, one of his big points that he was just talking about in the last couple chapters, Hmm. which is, which is kind of crazy to think about. Okay. Uh, And that has been James Conrad's book club. I'm Jake Mon, and I listen to the Fish Golf Broadcast while I drive. I'm Matthew Orem, and I listen to the Fish Golf Broadcast 
while I'm out doing everything, man, obviously, because it's all the time, baby. Let's go. If you like where this show is headed, stick around for part two. We'll never barrage you with 11 minutes of droning external ads to start the show. So please support the Fish Golf Broadcast by visiting discgolfbra.com for hats and other apparel. Fish stamp discs are available at fishdiscgolf.com and daddydiscgolf.com, and you can save 10% on upperparkdiscgolf.com with the code ANDREW10 on backpacks and other items. And now, more lies and outrageous claims from our guest, met with calm reason by Fish. James, I think you and I are a little bit similar uh, in our temperament that being around people can be stressful or putting too much of yourself out there can be stressful. Uh, Can you talk a little bit about the balance between being a professional athlete where your brand and your marketability are tied to how much people want to see you versus like kind of steering clear of social media? That's a good question. It can be definitely a tough um, tough balance to find. I feel like, yeah, I feel like I, I try not to stress too much about like how much I'm putting myself out there. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like, um, the kind of the more, the better as far as like, um, sponsors, sponsors look and just as far as what the fans want to see of me. But I feel like if I was to, to try try too hard to like really throw myself at social media and all that. I feel like it would not necessarily be better for anyone in the long run. I think that some of it wouldn't be very genuine and and things like that. So yeah, it's definitely, definitely hard to, hard to find that balance, but I've, I don't find it too hard to like interact with fans and and stuff like that, even though I'm, I'm somewhat introverted mostly because I just try to keep in mind that like, it's even if they're, kind of no matter how they like talk to me, I feel like it's always just like good feelings that they're trying to give to me. They're like thanking me for, for this or that, or for, um, yeah, it's super special to hear. Like some people have, have shared some pretty, pretty heartful stories where like they're, they were saying how they were having a rough time and watching disc golf has like really helped them get through certain times. And, um, just knowing that I've had like an impact like that on complete strangers lives is a super special feeling. And, I feel like that makes it easier for me to like put myself out there just a little bit more than, um, you know, knowing that, that what we're doing out here like can actually help people, even if it's somewhat indirect. That's a, that's really cool. Like that, strangers can come up to you and and share that, and that sticks with you. That you remember that as like a meaningful interaction from your side too. Definitely. Um, now, a lot of people, like, they like you for your play, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's kind of like you didn't set out to be a celebrity. Um, <laughs> was, was there any, like, by this point, you figured it out. You've been on tour for, what, six years now? Seven? This might be my eighth year. I started in 2016, so. Okay. Yep. So eighth full year. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, by now, you figured out what it's like to to deal with kind of the notoriety or the press conferences or the, the feature card appearances. Um, was there kind of a growing process into that? I, yeah, I definitely think there, there was, I think 
even now I'm not like all that comfortable with the camera on me. Mm -hmm. Um, I've gotten pretty used to it, like on the course, but sometimes when, um, during interviews and stuff, I sometimes still feel pretty awkward. I have a, a funny little joke with, with Jordan sometimes that, um, there was one time where I, I had a hot round, something like that. And they had an interview right after the round and, um, right after it, my dad texted me and he said, wow, James, great interview. Did you get some media training? And, and it was so funny to me because it was like, thanks, but like, I, yeah, I guess, I guess I did used to suck at this. Maybe I got better <laughs> overnight. I'm not sure, but no, I didn't have any media training. Um, but I, I think it's one of those things that some people are kind of born with like where they like to hear themselves speak and they like to be in front of a camera yeah. and some people less so, but I think even people like me or you that may might not be quite as comfortable in front of a camera or um yeah speaking like public speaking things like that i think that just um kind of practice practice might not make perfect but it definitely makes it better yeah and i, I you could try to like put on a different face right but that's not genuine james totally and I feel like if I was going to be more like if I wanted to pursue commentary, for example, I feel like I'd have to like make up like my my commentary voice. You know, mm -hmm. I'd have to like kind of fake it a, a bit. I, I feel like there's there's definitely room for that where you can still be yourself, but you can almost be like acting the part, um, so, something like that. But I feel like where I am now, um, I can I don't really try to try to do that or, or worry too much about it. I feel like it's pretty. Uh, pretty short, short bits that I'm in front of cameras and stuff. Mm -hmm. It's not like this, like drawn out thing where I have to like be this face on the TV for hours at a time or anything like that. So yeah, I feel like, yeah. Do you think that there is some expectation from fans or media or even sponsors of what they think the ideal professional interview looks like? Hmm. I, I'm not sure. I, I feel like I wouldn't say there's like one style that they would necessarily think is like ideal or that that they need or that they that they wish all their players had. I think I think part of part of what's cool cool about it all is that like there can be so many different ways of expressing yourself and yeah and no no two people quite do it the same. So I, I feel like. The, each person's like individuality comes comes through a little bit and gives other gives fans something to relate to like oh wow he sounded a little bit awkward there like, <laughs> i know that feeling or whatever yeah well i you know you might get bagged on a little bit for not having a clear answer but to me that's a hell of a lot better than you know a baseball player just speaking in sports cliches only right mhm mm um so you talked a little bit about the positive side of fan interactions. Can you tell me the least appropriate fan interaction? <laughs> uh, the least appropriate. I don't know about a, a specific, but as far as I feel like the timing is, is a big one. I, f I feel like certain, certain people approach at, a really positive time or at the right time if you will yeah and sometimes like 
just last weekend in Portland, you know, they, they had a bunch of like that buffet style food for us. And that was like pretty, yeah. pretty close to like the autograph line. Right. And so it's like, I was sitting down there eating and like, there was a couple of kids that were coming up, like while I had a fork in my hand and they're like asking me like, Oh, sorry to, sorry to interrupt you while you're eating, but do you think you can sign this for me? And it, it's like so hard to say no to a kid, but like if it was an adult, I probably probably would have been like, man, this isn't their best time. But yeah, the, the irony that they, they recognize what they're doing is wrong and just forge ahead anyway. Right. I uh, think that's one that bothers me when they're like, Oh, sorry to interrupt your conversation that you're having here. But, or I, I don't mean to interrupt. I, I always think that one gets me. It's like, yes, you, you do mean to, but well, it, it's also, <laughs> I, I guess it's also different. If you and I are having a conversation like near the autograph tent, I have no problem with like letting you go for a couple minutes because like mm-hmm. it's you and I see each other eight times a weekend. We can always resume that if necessary. Mm -hmm. Um, But if you're, you know, if you're eating or if you're talking to another fan and somebody else wants to kind of butt in, that's not cool. Right. (laughs) But yeah, I feel like some people, even those people though, it's like hard to be too upset because they're like, they're just wanting to say like, Oh my gosh, like I love what you do. And um, sometimes it's a little uncomfortable at the time. Like if their, their timing's not, not the best, but. Yeah. Overall, I just try to try to remember um, that they're not they don't mean any harm and that they might be awkward or they might come up at at not the best time for me personally or whatever. But um, yeah, I still try to do my best to like smile or sign their disc or or whatever it is. Yeah, for sure. Uh, So how many states have you played in ballpark? I feel like I've probably played in 30 of the states or something like that. Mm-hmm. In tournaments? Do you do you stop and play courses along the way? Or is it mostly just kind of grinded out at the tournament course each week? It's pretty rare that I'll, that I'll stop and play one on the way. But even even growing up, we moved around quite a bit. So I, I played a lot of courses as a kid. And then um, on tour, we play at a fair number of states. Yeah, for sure. And uh, I assume you're going to go back to Europe this year are you just doing european open or are you bouncing around to some of the the other events i'll be playing the sula and the european open and we're we're going a bit early for the tournament in norway to try to get a little vacation time on the on the short end of that trip yeah Um, last year we went and we literally landed like the day before the tournament started so it felt like just kind of in and out and it was such a beautiful country that we're like next year we got to spend some more time here yeah, for sure. Uh, and as I recall, there was a European Open where you went with like seven discs or something. Are you gonna Are you gonna back that up? Do it again? I think I'll bring a bring a full bag this year. I, yeah, that was must have been twenty nineteen. I think that was my first time going, and I played in Estonia and I played in Finland with mm-hmm. just like kind of my little Patagonia backpack. Um, with I think it was about ten or eleven discs, but about five of those were putters, so <laughs> not too many. I mean, you are the putter guy. Um, <laughs> did that serve as a good reset to you to like simplify what you were doing and not have so many options? Yeah. Yeah. I think it did. And I I think I really just kind of wanted to travel light and just go, go over there more for the experience than to like, um, really put too much pressure on myself. I'm hearing that you weren't trying to win. I I mean, I was trying to win, but (laughs) I'd say it wasn't, it wasn't like the only reason I was going, you know, sometimes like if, if I was going to go 
I'm actually skipping DDO next week, but if I was going to go to DDO, like, the only reason I would go to Kansas would be to try to win. But going to, like, my first time to Finland and Estonia, like, it was, you know, a little bit more of an experience than just going for for the tournament solely. Yeah, sure. Um, And, like, kind of on the opposite end of that spectrum, I've seen you pop up at Virginia Team Invitational, unsanctioned event in between pro tours. Mm -hmm. Um, and, And that's not the only one, like... I know right. that I know that there's a significant chunk of your heart that is still in the Mid-Atlantic. Yeah, definitely. Um, do you have any ambitions to, like, go back there and play some of the regional events? Yeah, I do. I. It's kind of hard to. It's almost hard to like justify it right now. Like the, the with pro- the way the pro tour is structured. Totally, it feels like there's not a lot of time to like take a couple months off tour and and kind of hit the local scene but i feel like sometime in the next in the next couple of years i could definitely see myself taking like a a good couple months stretch there and um kind of reconnect with some of the some of the friends and family back in virginia spend a little more time there i think that would be a lot of fun um yeah we'll see if it see if it happens though mm-hmm. uh for courses like the Blockhouse or lake marshall what's what's the appeal of those to you the the appeal to me the the blockhouse is is like a super just super cool place you know they got the tiki golf they got the camping and there's a lot of places that have that now but i mean when's the first time we ever met i think was at the blockhouse probably like 2015 or 16 probably around then and i think i had already been going there for four or five years so it's um I, yeah i feel like to me going there and, you know, just hanging out with friends and family for a week and, and doing nothing but playing disc golf was, like, now that's kind of what I do every week, which which is crazy, but um, to kind of get a taste of that, like, back when I was a little younger, before I even thought about touring was, was super cool, and I, I feel like, um, yeah, I, f- I feel like that, that could be something that, like, kind of influenced the path I ended up going on, you know, just seeing how much, how much fun it was to, like, um, put yeah just kind of live on a disc golf course you know (laughs) i didn't think about it like that at the time but (laughs) in hindsight kind of and then lake marshall i haven't got to spend a ton of time at yet i've played the vti out there i've played i think i played one of their first sanctioned tournaments yeah when when it was maybe 12 holes on either side or something Mm -hmm. but yeah that's that's just a beautiful property all the water the um and it's super cool that they're just kind of dedicating themselves to the sport and and they want to become like a destination disc golf place and i think there's more and more of those popping up around the country which is pretty pretty dang amazing to see yeah for sure with that in mind uh worlds 2024 is going to be only a couple hours from home uh what what does that feel like for you is it is it cool for some of the homies to like go see you at worlds without and sleep in their own bed at night yeah, that's super exciting. I think, um, I think the I think the Virginia scene will definitely show show up big time. I think there's a lot of big fans out there, and I think that it'll it should be a good Worlds. And um, I, my parents manage to come to usually a few tour events a year, so it'll be cool that um, one of the big the, the biggest one of the year will be just pretty much right right outside their backyard. Yeah. 
make it a lot easier for them to travel. Maybe my sister. Definitely have some friends back in Blacksburg, Christiansburg area that might be able to come out for a couple of days. That'd mm-hmm. be super fun. Uh, are you going to dedicate some time during this off season, try to make it into a home course advantage? Ooh, that, that wouldn't Damn be it, a, I just gave him an idea. That Fuck. wouldn't be a bad idea. I, I do hope to spend some time in, in Virginia this winter. Um, my dad's got... My my uncle bought a big property right outside Blacksburg, kind of in between Blacksburg and Salem. And yeah. um, my dad has been kind of working full-time on, on the property now, doing um, coursework. They they got John Bisco to actually design two, two courses on the property. Wow. And yeah, the first one's all the way in the ground. I haven't actually had a chance to play it yet, but um, definitely definitely hoping to spend some time out there and um, kind of like a new new home course, if you will. Yeah. So this winter, I'm looking forward to a chance to spend some time out on that property. Neat. What What's the eventual intent when it's fully built out? Uh, they've kind of got multiple intents. They want to have like a music venue and a wedding venue and um, two two bomb disc golf courses and then have some like camping options and uh, possibly yeah possibly have have some bigger tournaments i'm not not totally sure the the overall vision but yeah i think it's an exciting project and stoked that um that yeah they're out there working on that well cool uh big things happening in southwest virginia and uh hope hope you're not breaking news that isn't yours to break but uh looking forward to it no, it's it's already out there. Like people people in the region kind of know about it and are able to play and stuff like that. But sweet, yeah. Well, James, thank you so much for your time. Uh, if you enjoyed this podcast, you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at fish five eight three two zero. And if you hated the podcast, thought the guest was a bozo, and need to yell at somebody about it, where can folks find you? On Instagram's good, James underscore Conrad underscore i i i i i i. All right, James, thank you so much for your time. Good luck with the rest of your season. Thanks, Fish. That's all for this episode of the Fish Golf Broadcast. But be sure to check out previous episodes and subscribe wherever fine podcasts are sold. Check out Fish Golf Broadcast hats and other apparel at discgolfbra.com and badger your friends until they listen too. Join us next time as I goad yet another guest into starting a fight with another touring player campsite host, or toll booth attendant on the Fish Golf Broadcast.